Hello, everybody. It's the POD cast. Um, okay, I've, that was my least favorite intro that I had to do, but that is where we're at with this episode. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to your favorite podcast about new metal. This is the POD cast. This is episode number 12. And uh, this month we are we're fulfilling a listener request. This one was sent in by Jack. Now, normally, if you pay the $50 tier on Patreon, we will only convert it into a bonus episode. But this was an album we wanted to do anyway, and Jack wanted to see us do it. So thank you, Jack, for the donation. And we're more than happy to cover it on a regular episode. Uh, this month, we are tackling Static X's Wisconsin Death Trip. And with me, as always, is a man who is not afraid to push it. It's Brian Quinby gross that was my favorite of the intros that you've done oh you that liked was it the number one good intro yeah <laughs> what made it i know good it made you. you i know well because it made you feel bad <laughs> <laughs> i see that like uh i've noticed that as this show has gone along like obviously we're doing this at a much slower clip than you and i do our our other pods you know we're only sitting down twice a month but i've noticed you are starting to turn into stefan in that um, whenever something makes me unhappy, that makes you the most happy. And I don't know what I mean, it is about me that just gets people <laughs> feeling that way, but it's a general like thing with me in life is that like, I just like, I really hate to see people having fun or enjoying <laughs> themselves, you know, just like anyone. It's not me specifically. It's just anybody. Yeah. I mean, I just get frustrated. Like I don't go out very much. You know, I do my thing. I do what my shows where I'm standing on stage and everybody's paying attention to me, which I enjoy. But uh, uh, I don't yeah. go out very much because like when I, I just like look over at a table of people like laughing and like enjoying themselves. And I'm like, oh, fuck you. You know, <laughs> like I just I have that general. I want the whole world to be good and happy. Right. But like, I just, I cannot figure out how people enjoy life. I guess. Really? <laughs> so you, so you don't think like anyone ever looks over at like you and your wife and your kid and thinks that about you? Like you're never like visibly having fun when you're out as a family unit? No, we probably are. We pro, I mean, I, I, it's not that I don't want me to have, I mean, like, of <laughs> course I want to have fun. <laughs> It's just really, I, I and I also like I said, like I like when I like when people are enjoying our live shows and stuff like that. There's just something about like I don't know, like manufactured. I guess maybe it's manufactured fun, like when you're at an amusement park or something, or or like I don't know. I just I find it to be. I just think fun seems like the worst thing in the world to me. I guess, <laughs> just yeah, in okay. my opinion. Okay. I mean, I mean, but I love to have fun. That's the thing. Like, I think, you know, I do a lot of things that are fun. I just, I hate it. Like, I hate like thinking about it, you know, like, I think maybe the most fun things are the things you never have to think about. Yeah, that's probably true. I think that's what, <laughs> that's part of what makes it fun. If something can be easy and fun, that's like sick. Yes. That's like a really good, that's a good thing, you know? People are like, oh, th this was all about the struggle for me. And it's like, I don't know. I don't want it to be about the struggle. I want it to be easy and good to do. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. I hate struggling. Like, I do not like that. So I, I like I, I'm not a dues payer type. I'm, I'm you know, I'm real glad I'm paying my dues or whatever I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People who say that make me sick. I'm so happy to be. I'm so happy to be paying my dues. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 
I, 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 off, I when when me and Brett quit doing stand up like and just started going on stage together, it was just like I think f- at least most of the reason I decided to stop was just like because I was like, ah, fuck, these people are gonna expect me to like like pay my dues, like do the networking and respect and work my way up through the thing. And I'm like, fiery got an audience. I can just fucking do it. I don't have to work my way up through yeah, anything. That's true. <laughs> yeah. We, a, a good buddy of mine, very funny comedian, Nick Nemiroff had a really good tweet like a week ago. And he was like, and he's a, yeah, he's also a stand up, very funny. And he said, he's like doing stand up is like working really hard for a chance to win the lottery. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And it's like, exactly. that was it such is. a good metaphor. It's like, you could try and win the lottery by just walking to the nearest store and buying a ticket, like literally the easiest thing in the world. Or you can grind for years and years and years doing awful shows uh, to maybe like get a sitcom. Like it's just, it was such a, yeah, such an apt tweet. And I feel like a, podcasting sitcom, is almost you- like a, a way of cheating. It's like, if you can be good at podcasting, or have a successful podcast and those two things are not mutually <laughs> exclusive, but um, you know, if you can get good at doing a pod, then you can really uh, you know, y- you can kind of cheat your way up the, up the chain, not cheat, but just, you know, you can, no, you can it's, get it's audience cheating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just like, I did want to perform, you know, I like the, the performance part of stand up was awesome. You know, like yeah. so much fun. And it was really neat to be up there by myself, too, because like, I don't know, I've always worked with a partner that, and like, I still I think I'm going to go back to it at some point Back to stand up. Yeah. At some point, I'm going to do it again. Okay. I just haven't like really like I haven't written in a long time. So I would have to like I'd have to start going to like open mics and shit. And that's like the biggest stumbling block because I would like to do it again. I, I love doing it. And I think I would be a lot better than I was when I was doing it. <laughs> well, yeah, you've had so much more experience. Like, even though doing the shows with Brett is like a little bit different, it's still you're still getting reps on stage. And like the people who tend to be really good at stand up right away are people who have some sort of like on stage experience, you know, like one of the like fastest rising comedians that has come through Vancouver in the time that I was doing it was like was actually like the DJ in like a new metal band in like in the early, like in the late nineties, early aughts. And so he, that was like his whole job was like being a hype man and like getting people going on stage. And so when he started doing stand up, he was just so comfortable on stage where a lot of standups, that's the thing that they might be great writers right away, but it takes them so long to perfect or like get used to being on stage and like controlling an audience, which you have like tons of experience doing now. Also, just like knowing who I am now more like back then I was like, I was like figuring out what this thing was, you know what I mean? And then like now I think I know what it is. And uh, I I would love to. I I mean, there's something there is something about performing in front of audiences that don't know who you are. That is like, yeah, it's like when we started doing the street fight stuff, it was like, you know, the first. 15 shows i was like kind of freaking out before and brett was like throwing up and like we were but like now it's we've done it so much that it's just like uh it doesn't really freak me out to get on stage yeah. you know yeah. it's like totally fine i don't like, like i and there isn't like an a there is an adrenaline rush obviously but it's not the like same kind of adrenaline rush i got 
earlier. So yeah, there's always like this thing. I just want to like, I want to always, I just watched that Michael Jordan thing where he was just like, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to go play baseball because like, I want to be a rookie again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> He's like, oh, I, I need a new challenge. I've done all this now. I might as well go do something else I might not be that good at. Yes. And yeah. that's the way I really think about it. Because I did hate telling jokes. That was the thing about it is like I hated like I hated like crafting this fucking thing, you know, for right. however long I it took for me to do it. But this is way off of a very, this is a big news week, John. It is a big news week. I, I was literally just gonna gonna segue and say and say, you know, speaking of crafting material, uh, yeah, you you really wanted to talk about, uh, you know, obviously one of the bands that would be the inspiration for this show, Corn, uh, kind of like uh, broke through in in like mainstream music news in a way that they haven't in a long time. Uh, because they covered uh, the seminal Charlie Daniels classic, The Devil Went Down to Georgia, with uh, <laughs> Yellow Wolf, a guy who's, you know, he's been in the public eye very recently. Like, Wait I, a, is Yellow Wolf in trouble? No, no, that was a complete joke. Yellow Wolf hasn't done anything oh. since 2004. That was the joke. Oh, oh, I was like, oh, geez, I, I didn't know. No, no, that was the, <laughs> the joke was that Yellow Wolf hasn't been popular since maybe not 04. Maybe we'll give him like 07. Maybe that was like the last time anyone cared that Yellow Wolf was like the 27th build guy at the Sasquatch Music Festival. <laughs> but, In 2007, uh, yes, probably. Yeah, I'll give him the 2007 Sasquatch Music Festival. If you Google that, Yellow Wolf's probably on there in uh, 10 point font. He wasn't quite disgraced with eight point. He was still a 10 pointer at that point. Uh, but yeah, they released this cover and. Uh, yeah, Brian, uh, you know, I know you were a big you were a big fan of it. That seems really in your wheelhouse. Like a char yeah. like corn covering Charlie Daniels feels like almost exclusively made for a man like Brian Quinby, I think. It it was it it is good. I think it's pretty good. The thing is I haven't gone back and listened to it since that first like few times. I just listened to it a few times in a row. Really? Yeah. yeah. And was like kind of like, okay, like I get it. And I probably never listened to that song again. You know, yeah, I honestly feel the same way. It was like it was good in like a gimmick and in like a gimmicky way where it's yeah. almost like when like um, when like a, kind of like a shitty character wrestler just like out of nowhere has like a four star match. It's like it's like a four star comedy match or something where you're like, wow, this is like a shockingly good match that I did not expect was going to be good. But I'm never yes. but I'll never watch it again. Like I hate that character and I hate comedy wrestling or whatever you know like <laughs> and i don't hate corn obviously and i don't hate their music but yeah it definitely even listening to it i was like okay i can acknowledge that this is good i know why like indie music like my the indie music blog that i read all the time stereo gum were like all over it saying like how much it kicked ass and stuff and they're like a pretty serious kind of you know they're the type of music blog that's like trying to find the next arcade fire and then they're like oh corn Corn, this corn cover kicked ass and then you're like whoa but yeah it, does. It, it kicks ass in like a gimmicky way where you're like i don't need to put this on in my car you're just like i'm glad this exists but i don't i don't need it you would never listen to this like you would never be i w I didn't even tell anybody really to listen to it you know it was just kind of like I, I i know i was standing in my kitchen 
listening on headphones while my wife was like uh working and i was like corn did this devil went down to georgia and she's like oh okay like didn't really care that much. <laughs> yeah, so that i kind of moved like a very, on that seems like a katie reaction for sure yeah i mean she was never big into corn but like also like just you know especially yeah. not now into corn she she's right. told me yeah, before yeah. that corn is a dude's band yeah i could see that corn corn yeah. is more of a dude's band than um than like a lot of the other new metal bands i'd say like i yeah. would say like limp biscuit lincoln park uh deftones are definitely more girly or like have more appeal to women than corn would i think right yeah so the other thing i wanted to talk about though was uh this fucking Corey Taylor thing that's going oh on? Oh my god! I just <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure that everybody knows that it's happening and <laughs> like yeah, it, it feels will, necessary for the world to know about. I feel like I'm gonna listen to that album the day it comes out, and I'm just like gonna probably listen to it three times in a row because I I like I'll I can explain this. It's like new metal, but not really like new metal it's like wrestling theme music where Corey taylor yeah. is rapping and and like uh, uh it's not heavy enough it's not heavy like slipknot you know no it's but like it's- yeah it's it, so if for, for those of you who didn't see it uh cory taylor released a 30 second snippet of a song or i guess he did release the full video but on twitter i saw like a 30 second snippet of it the song is called CMFT, which stands for Corey motherfucking Taylor. And I believe that is also the name of the album. Uh, and the video is Corey Taylor in um, what could best be described as like a mix of like how the Gaslight Anthem and Green Day would have dressed uh, <laughs> in like 2009. Because it's like a, he's wearing like a wife beater, but with suspenders um, and like a, and like cargo pants. And he's playing guitar and singing. And the chorus of the song is literally like CMFT, CMFT. Like it's a very weird, um, it sucks. Uh, it sucks big. Um, and I know the album's going to, it's just the thing that I don't understand if you're Corey Taylor is like, okay, so you have Slipknot, which is one of the most successful metal bands of all time. You could make a case they're in the like top five conversation with like Metallica and like, bi- like, classic metal bands slipknots like in that convo as far as like sales and you know they have not fest and they have like dead as far as like a fan base and the ability to play huge stadium shows like there's such a huge metal band then you have stone sour also very popular Corey taylor's softer side people love to see it he's a good vocalist who needed this like middle ground project that's like a heavier nickelback <laughs> Like who was waiting for that? Who was like, fuck, I hate stone sour and I hate slipknot. If only there was something that's like kind of in the middle of that. That's what I need from Corey Taylor. It's, it is fucking, I don't know. Like what is like, what the thought process is. Like I wanted to be like, Oh, it's, it's, uh, I, you know, he's, he's bored in quarantine, but this sounds like it was in the works. Yeah, the way it's been produced, even the video, you can tell like it's yeah, this has been in the works for a while, I feel. Yeah, this isn't a Zoom video. So then I got to like start thinking like, what is this dude up to in his head? Like, why is he doing this? What made him make the choice to go in this weird like it's not new metal. 
direction. No. It is in a way. It's more butt rockish than new metal, I think. Right. It's like if an 80s metal band started, got like really into Limp Biscuit. Like that is like exactly <laughs> what it is. It's poison yeah. and Limp Biscuit. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way of describing it. Uh, yeah. I, it was just, it was just very weird because it's like, it's the type of thing that like, like, yes, Slipknot is kind of gimmicky with like the masks and the suits and all that kind of stuff. But like, this was gimmicky in a way that it like Corey Taylor has positioned himself as a guy where like everything about him has been kind of like serious, you know, even, even the mask shit. And then like stone sours obviously got the kind of gravitas to it. It seemed very weird to me that this is like, he, this is like his next, like you would think that this is the type of shit that like 20 years ago, Corey Taylor would be like, that's fucking corny as hell. Yeah. I fucked up there. <laughs> you know he, what I mean? Like I, that's what I feel like. Like, I feel like if there was another band doing the exact same songs when Slipknot were putting out like the subliminal verses or whatever, Corey Taylor would be like, Oh, that band, they fucking suck. That's corny. That's corny ass shit. Right. His books, though, also have that same vibe. I don't know if you've ever looked at his book covers. No, no, I wouldn't. I'm not. No, okay, you, I, I, don't, think, I don't even need to see the cover to judge that book, Brian. Right. It's like one's called like the seven deadly sins. And he's sitting at a table with like a bourbon and he has devil horns, too. Oh, and it's like a poker table sort of thing. Oh, and the boy. other one is like, you're making me hate you. And he's like exasperated on the front and he's like pulling at his hair on his side. Uh, and it's just like, when you see it, it looks like you remember that guy. And I'm, I can't remember his, I, I'll, I'll get it right. The guy that wore the question mark suit. You know what I mean? Uh, the question on, uh, mark suit. on TV. Uh, let's go. He would be like free money for everyone. Have you ever uh, heard of that guy? Yeah, maybe it sounds American to me. He look yeah, he looks kind of like that guy, which okay. is very and he's which like a bad. guy that's yeah, just bad. He's an infomercial guy. So is it possible that Corey Taylor has just been like a super corny dude all along and has like managed to like hide it kind of? I mean like Or is he like buying his own guys hype, like you us. think? I think from guys like us, he's be able to hide it because we're not going to like read his fucking book. Oh, I'm not. You know what I mean? Book. Yeah. And 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 like the pl kind of places they sell that book, like me and you aren't going to be there. You no. Know? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Where do they where do they sell that? Is there some kind of like a uh, new metal bookstore that I'm not well, uh, privy to? Like you're not. I mean, I guess they would sell that at like Barnes and Noble or something yeah. Like too. Yeah. You know. But they don't set it out on a shelf. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to fucking run into it. Yeah. Or yeah. like, and, and like target I know they sell it at target. It's like, I don't ever look at the books at target. No, and who I, would. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I'll get the latest. I'll get the latest James Patterson. And oh, this Corey Taylor book looks interesting. Yeah. So yeah. he's like a corny dude. That like, uh, I think if you only pay attention to Slipknot and not even Stone Sour, because Stone Sour can veer off into corniness too. Yeah. But like, uh, uh, if you, if you look at him and from that perspective, then it's like, you're like, he must be fucking crazy, but he's not like, but he also seems like a totally cool guy and everybody we've ever talked to. Yeah. That Keith is, Buckley couldn't say enough good things about him. 
Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Everybody I've known that's been in bands that's met him have said he's like the best guy in the world. So maybe he's just corny, you know? Yeah. That's the way it gets when you get older. Yeah, maybe that's it too, right? He's like aging and he's like, okay, I got to try and I got to seem cool, you know? Yeah. Maybe this is his way of like, but it's like seen through an older guy lens. It's like when your dad tries to be cool, kind of. It kind of comes across like that. He's got to try to be cool for guys like uh, our age. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. Like he's not trying to be cool to like teenagers anymore because no, like he knows yeah. that's a losing fucking battle. So like cool to him is like probably a lot of dads. Yeah. Like, you know, 35 year old dads or 40 year old dads that fucking wear like cargo pants now and then like put a slipknot shirt on. Yeah. When they go to the like work picnic to fucking (laughs) freak out all the secretaries and shit. Yeah. This is like one of those albums where you buy a pair of Dockers and you get it, you get like five bucks off (laughs) at Target. That's a package deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, let's get let's get to the band at hand uh, here. As as we said off the top, we're we're reviewing uh, Static X's Wisconsin Death Trip. I will tell you uh, a little bit about the album, and then we'll talk about our our history with it. This album came out on March twenty third, nineteen ninety nine. Uh, it, uh, didn't do that great on the billboard charts. It peaked at number one Oh seven on the billboard 200, but it did make it to number one on the heat seekers chart. Uh, and in 2001, two years later was certified platinum, uh, by the, uh, record industry of America. So, uh, it obviously, uh, ended up doing well, but wasn't like a, wasn't a chart topping album, but sold a lot of copies, Um, yeah, that's pretty much all we need to know about, uh, about the album. As far as its history, there are, um, a couple funny things about it. The, the one, one is funny, uh, that the, this sentence from the Wikipedia, the album was produced by Ulrich Wilde in a matter of eight weeks with a budget of $50,000. The band originally wanted Terry date to produce it, but they couldn't afford him. So they opted for his assistant. Uh, hey. So that's always, hey, that's always a good way to do it. Like, oh, you like, you like hang out with Terry Date, right? So we can probably <laughs> afford you. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, that's Wisconsin Death Trip. Uh, Brian, what was your uh, kind of history with Static X at the, at the time that this came out? Uh, Static X is a weird one, man, because like, uh, I, I, so I got a lot of my news from Alternative Press. Do you, yeah. Did you read that magazine? No. It was like, a purely a big, new metal thing right yeah alt press was like for whatever reason i don't know if it was really hard to get in canada maybe i remember reading revolver a lot that was like a big one um and then maxim had their own music magazine blender uh which i, I liked read and, both of those too yeah, yeah. And, they, and they covered a lot of new metal back then like they were a very like you know corn and limp biscuit positive magazine so those were kind of the main ones I read. Like, yeah, I I, I want to say that probably a big part of the reason I didn't read alt press was that it was hard to get in Canada, if I remember correctly. Well, I, I, that was the one I got if I could get it. You know, it was that and Spin were the two magazines I like to read a lot. Yeah. And uh, uh, but Alternative Press, like, and the PRP, which was a website. Yeah, the PRP could, I read all the time. Yeah, every yeah. day I got up as like the fucking New York Times. Yeah, I used to check. <laughs> I used to check the PRP dot com and Cornweb dot com. <laughs> there was like a whole series of like web sites. Like there was like Biscuit Web, Corn Web uh system web like for all deftones web and most of them weren't really that great but the corn web one was like 
very, very active. Like they were, it was like the news section. Like it was unbelievable how many news items this site was able to come up with for corn. And the mailbag was like, I remember applying multiple times to be someone who answered corn questions in the corn mailbag. Like it was literally <laughs> just people would ask questions about the ban. And then they just had like a group of five people that would just answer them before the, you know, Google was really a thing. So yeah, I so those are my big the PRP and Cornweb. Sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. Shit, I fucking I was on the PRP the other day because uh Corn put a teaser for the devil went down to Georgia. Right, sure. And yeah. I, I could not well it's not I'm not gonna say I couldn't figure out the teaser, <laughs> but I didn't want to devote the mental energy to figuring out the teaser. <laughs> that's so, totally fair you're like well this is gonna come out soon and i'm it's gonna be fine <laughs> i don't need to sit here and like work it out on and like keep moving the letters around until they start to look like words yeah exactly you're like honestly as soon as i'm done with this i'm gonna forget about it and then in a week it's gonna come out <laughs> and then i'm gonna be like oh that's what the teaser was for okay cool yeah so so like i uh i i checked it i Wait, so what was I saying? You're talking about Static X and Alt Press. Oh, yeah. They covered them all the time. Like, they were just like, they were that band that were like, uh, uh, they mentioned them in the same breath as a lot of the second wave good bands that came through. And, uh, you know, I saw them live like three or four times, like just opening for people and by virtue of just like being around. But, it's a different kind of music. It, it draws from a different uh, uh, place than what I looked for at the time in music. And even now a little bit. Yeah. I would say my, my experience with static X is really similar. Like I think there was always this kind of like sect of new metal that, that had a little bit more roots in industrial. So there was like bands like this, like Static X, like Power Man 5000, like Fear Factory, Cold Chamber to an extent that had these kind of more like, it seemed like they were influenced by metal, but also like craft work. And um, they, I just, they completely missed me. Like I, I never, I never liked any of those bands. Uh, like to honestly, in 2002, if you played a song, like you could have done a great guessing game with me and played me 10 songs, five of which were Static X and five of which were Power Man 5000. And I wouldn't have been able to tell you who was who. Like to me, they were like the same band. I would mix them up all the time. Uh, And I'm sure there are people who are going to be mad at me and say they liked one or the other or how could I confuse them or whatever. But for whatever reason, like, yeah, I was so into new metal, but just this kind of like this kind of branch of new metal that was, yeah, like I say, kind of industrial that I've been, we, I obviously, when we prepare for these episodes, I read a lot of articles and stuff and static X described their sound as evil disco, um, which I don't think is really a great way of describing it. Cause it has like really no disco elements whatsoever, but right. But and there disco are, rules too. And like disco is so good. Like this like doesn't evil. have any of the danciness of disco. Like it doesn't, <laughs> you know, like, I think they just called it that because they used, like, the the way that it was described was Wayne Static said in this one interview I read that they start with the, like, drums and the samples and they build the songs on top of them. So, like, as opposed to starting with a guitar riff and then adding the low end underneath, they started the other way around. And I think that that's why 
uh, you know, they went with disco. Like they just, I think it just, they're like, yeah, you know, we use synths and we use programmed beats. So we're like, we're basically disco. It's like, well, I mean, you're not really disco. Well, also like you don't want to, uh, um, I guess like you don't want to say that you're just new metal at that time. For sure. Like you were never allowed to do that. None of those bands would ever do that. And like also never were you just to say you're metal. Yeah, because they I weren't that either, only. really. And new metal guys, I think, and this is how I felt, and it might be, this might be wrong or whatever, but like a lot of new metal guys like like danceable, poppy, like more uh, 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 organic stuff. Like they comes from the side of like more the side of like uh, uh, Rage Against the Machine or Red Hot Chili Peppers, which I don't like. I'm just saying like music that came more from that sector than from the Nine Inch Nails. Well, and it also seems like a lot of like a band that seems like it was a huge touchstone for a ton of new metal bands was Depeche Mode. Like like Jonathan Davis always talked about them. Deftones always talked about them. Like I feel like that's where, uh, yeah, like, the new the new metal like to me that's why it's funny like don't get me wrong i think evil disco is a great way of marketing your music like i think that's an extremely very very good phrase to use like yeah we're evil disco like that's a if you're 13 years old you go yeah i'm listening to this evil disco record like it sounds fucking cool they should have called their record that like this record should be called evil <laughs> disco it shouldn't be called, i like wisconsin death Trip, i mean i think is a really cool name it's also a cool name too album. i'm just saying you you know Evil Disco would have been a sick name as well, in my opinion. Like, I just think that, yeah, it, it didn't have like the other bands were actually much more dancey in my mind than this band is because they were listening to a lot more funkier stuff that was like a lot more groove driven, whereas like the grooves on this record are maybe a little bit more uh, absent. But yeah, I, I would say like um you know, before we get into the record proper, like, yeah, that's kind of just my stamp on this whole thing. Like static X admittedly was like a band that I just completely missed. I never owned any of their records. I didn't know anyone who liked them either. Like I, it wasn't like I had people who were like, D- you don't like static X or you got to listen to stat. Like they were never a band that people that I hung out with talked about as like a, a must listen or anything. Oh, see, that was the, that's the thing They're They were big like here oh for sure i mean they went platinum like obviously they were a big band but yeah i mean here in columbus though like among my friends among my friends it was like i mean most of them liked static x and and that's the other thing what what you were saying about the disco thing is that is like marketing because like i'm a hundred percent of the time going to give something that calls itself evil disco a chance oh totally like back then you know, I was very aware that I was listening to music that was inspired by other music. I, I didn't think that this was like a new thing. And I knew that I liked like disco and rap and, and like all of and metal, these things that influence this kind of music. And I would have definitely I mean, that's what piqued my interest about this. I also do. I mean, I don't want to. I like the vibe of this band a lot. I think like the vibe and everything is like, it's fucking really cool. You know, it might look a little weird in 2020. I mean, especially the way they're doing it. Like he looks kind of like the Slim Jim man a little bit to people. <laughs> yeah. The hair is definitely and I, a thing. Yeah. I understand. But I, I like understand that part of it. But yeah, like, that's a good gimmick too, for sure. 
Yeah. You call even, yourself Wayne Static and it looks like you just stuck your finger in an electrical socket. Like that makes perfect sense to me as well. <laughs> yeah. It seems like this was like a something that's like if this was a fucking painting or a movie or 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 almost anything else, I think I would love this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? no, that's fair. And <laughs> like, why I do just, you think like why do you think at the time you never really got into it? Like given all the other stuff you were listening to and that your friends liked it, like what about it? Like obviously we're going to talk about, you know, our recent listens to it, but like back then what what kind of held you back from liking it? Well, there was like a certain amount of like you have to earn my trust that happened with this kind of music after a while where it was kind of like, uh, I wasn't just going to listen to anything. I, I guess like here, here it was it. This came out near the end of me, like really actively being involved in this sort of community. Like it came out in 99. I knew it was coming out. I wasn't like in a super rush. And at the time you couldn't just listen to something you know yeah you had to like, buy the album you had to or you know someone had to have it then you sat and listened to it with them in their car or something like that yeah so so like that's one of the reasons is that you just i just never got around to getting it and then like it just felt like not my part of the scene kind of thing at the time where it was like maybe this is for like the different people that like different music than me like I like other stuff, you know. <laughs> like I was just a bigger corn limp biscuit. Uh, I also I was a Fear Factory guy too. Oh, okay, interesting. You know, like, do you and like I, you feel like do you not feel like Fear Factory and this band are quite similar? No, they're not. Uh, uh, Fear Factory like uses real drums yeah, a lot yeah. of time, and uh, also just it's a different kind of sort of it's a different kind of metal like this is dancier than fear factory i will say that right but fear factory is more like like prog rock yeah uh, it's got it's got more nine inch nails kind of to it i think fear factory than this does this this is like this is new metal rob zombie is what this is and and i'm fairly certain that's what he was shooting for right too yeah was new metal rob zombie like sort of a, a a a cocaine amphetamine rob zombie I think is what <laughs> this was supposed to be. You know? it definitely the way the lyrics are done and the way that the, the way of the vocal styles definitely feel, it feels like tweak out music. And I'm saying that as someone who's never done any drugs aside from smoking weed very occasionally. And I only smoke weed for the first time eight months ago. Right. So, I'm not a speedhead either. I, I, I'm, I don't believe it or not. Uh, I'm bad when I take speed because it's, I'm a high anxious guy, you know? Right. So I don't, I don't take a lot of speed anyway. And I was never kind of into that, the, the kind of speed world, but I do think it's cool, you know, like from the outside, (laughs) right? Like I think cocaine and amphetamines and stuff and like guys just fucking going crazy. Like, I think it's very cool. And I also, you know, I have that thing about like redneck type, like, dudes which that's who likes this that's who likes static x this is like redneck music which is cool because fucking redneck i like redneck music too just different kinds right you know yeah and i think they were definitely shooting for that working class kind of guy that gets off work at the construction site and wants to fucking let some steam off at the end of the night yeah totally i think that's where you get like calling the record wisconsin death trip you know i think you get you know, you get the sense of like what they were targeting and 
the the two founding members are from Illinois. And um, so it's got that kind of Midwestern, you know, they've got that Midwestern sensibility. And um, yeah, this, you know, there's like, I think a lot of new metal bands were like, were like weed bands, you know, like you see Deftones, even Corn, Limp Biscuit. Like to me, those feel more like weed bands where you smoke weed, you get in the pit, you have a good time. Whereas like, yeah, this band feels like you do three rails and then you get in the pit and you like try to hurt somebody. Yeah, you're yeah, you're just out there trying to fucking, you know, dance off those fucking natty ices yeah. out there. And oh yeah. Yeah. Corn is drinking music. I think, you know, corn is more of a drinking thing. I think Limp Biscuit is drinking music, but I do think Deftones is pure weed music. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, they're the obviously big time weed guys, so it makes sense. But yeah, it was interesting to me too, like uh so Wayne Static is from Illinois and he was actually in a band with Billy Corgan. Um, and then him and, and then Billy Corgan wanted to do, uh, you know, wanted to do the Smashing Pumpkins full time. So he left the band he was in with Wayne Static. And uh, I think they were called like Electric Blue Dream or something like that. And um, so, yeah, so it's kind of interesting, like, uh, sorry, Deep Blue Dream. Um, so yeah, once the smashing pumpkins began to gain popularity, Corgan made the choice to commit all of his attention to the smashing pumpkins and the band eventually disbanded. Uh, and then Billy Corgan actually helped Wayne static. He, he, uh, static moved to LA and he like helped set him up with the other guys in, in static X. Um, but yeah, it was just like, it was so interesting that like, you know, that they were kind of in a band together. That sounds like it was a little bit more sort of sort of like uh proggy or whatever and then billy corgan went one way and and seemed like wayne static kind of went a different way i mean do we do, uh, wayne static uh seems like a a, a good businessman very smart businessman yes to me. <laughs> when i <laughs> read oh, about yeah. him and look at him and just like do all the addition you know yeah. uh, uh he knew I what think he was I, doing for sure yeah yeah he seems like a fucking you know, he he's a business guy. He knows what he's doing. He's he's he was building a brand. I think that like he came super close. I too. I don't know like what ended up happening to him in the years after this came out, but it like it seemed like this thing could have lasted. I mean, I guess he had a drug issues, right? Big time, yeah. That's like what it that's seems how like. he died. Yeah. Yeah. But like this is something that could have gone and gone on forever. He could still be out doing this. Well, I mean, Static you know? X is still out there doing this, but we'll we'll get to that a little bit later because that's a pretty weird situation. But um yeah, yeah it, it's uh for sure. I, I agree with what you're saying. It it does have that kind of uniqueness to it and again that kind of gimmick to it where it does feel like people who like this band are very passionate fans of this band i think like i think i feel like there are new metal bands that were pretty easy to be passengers of you know like i feel like there were lots of people that were like i don't love corn but like freak on a leash is a good song or like i don't love limp biscuit but like break stuff is pretty cool or nookie's pretty cool or whatever you know like <laughs> I think those bands had a lot of like passenger fans that just kind of liked the singles, but wouldn't really call themselves a fan. Whereas like, I think static X is a band that you're kind of like, you're in, like if you're in, you're in, I don't think there's like people who are just like, ah, like push. It's a cool song, but like, I don't really listen to the rest of it. You know, but I feel that's like who I was. Yeah. So. That's interesting to me. Cause this doesn't like, it doesn't feel like that to me. Like it, this feels like a band that you're, you'd get all into, I think. Only, well, I only because I feel like there's no differentiation. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you could listen to Freak on a Leash 
and then listen to the rest of follow the leader. And you could see how someone would only like freak on a leash. Whereas like, I feel like if you like push it, then you would probably like the rest of this album. If that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. It, that, that makes perfect sense. Like logically, but it does, I don't think that works in like the human brain because like, there is something I like push it and I like Wisconsin death trip. I like both of those songs. I think there's a bled for days. I like that one too. A bled for days. I, you know, that, that jam. I like those three songs, but like, I don't think I like anything else. Okay. Like, because I feel like I got it. Yes. From those three songs. I got the whole package here. Yeah. From those three songs. Yeah. I, I think for sure. I think that's my, like, you know, it's funny when you go back to, you know, when you, when we're reviewing albums for this podcast, it's like you, you put it on for me. I often am playing Stardew Valley. That's my game. I play when I'm listening to music because it's just very easy to like do mindlessly and then listen to like a podcast or music while you're playing it. And so I was like listening to this and it was just like, it was almost hard to tell what song I was on sometimes, you know, like it just, I agree with you that you can kind of listen to a few songs and just be like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like, I don't know. Like to me, I, I do think in the second half of the album, there's a couple songs that get a little bit better. Like for me, I thought STEM was a pretty good song to, to me. It was like the first six songs all sound the same. It's all just like, like that just, it's just like four on the floor hits you hard it just sounds very simple to me and and the same and wayne static's vocal delivery is so um iconic is the wrong word because i don't think he's an icon but you know what i mean it, it's so um stylistic like it, there's you know you know like you could hear it and you know immediately like kind of who you're listening to so i i think with his vocal delivery and the way that the songs are constructed it sounds very similar for the first six songs. And then stem is the first song where you're like, okay, to me, they're doing something cool dynamically here. I don't know if I still love it necessarily, but I get it. I, I like the dynamics here. Um, and then same thing with the trance is the motion I thought was a good song. And Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah. yeah. And that, that, and again, that's to me is like a similar kind of thing where it's like, okay, when they play around dynamically and they, and they try and break out of just the kind of industrial, heavy repetitive riff that there is something here. There is something in this band, but the first six songs to me were so similar and push it is the best version of those songs. And it's first. So it's like you hear the best version of that song and then you hear five versions of it in a row that are worse than that version. And you're like, fuck, like it's exhausting. Like I had to listen to this album in shifts at first because at my first listen, I made it to Otsigalation or I don't know how to, if I'm saying that wrong and you're a big Static X fan, I'm sorry, but I made it to that song and I literally stopped. I was like, I can't, I need a break. And then I came back and I listened to STEM and I was like, oh, that's so ironic that I took a break right here because it does seem to me like the second half of the album is a little bit more um, interesting. I think they're trying more things. I don't know that it makes me want to listen to other static X albums where I'm like, Oh, there's enough interesting things here where I want to be like, okay, let's get to their, their next album. I think it's called machine. Uh, it doesn't make me want to be like, Hey, I got to check out machine, but like there's enough good ideas where I'm like, okay, I can see like, I can see the appeal here. 
I would check out the next album. I should have checked out their next album today because I, I am sort of, I am kind of curious to see if they moved in any way because like I I think I'm like so I think I was also let down by them at the time because of the promise of like staying alive mixed with fucking heavy metal riffs sounds so cool you know like that I think that's what I thought I was getting and and then ending up getting the same drum I mean like industrial to me if it's not like it's hard for me to listen to that stuff if it's not nine inch nails, I guess. Yeah. Because the shit changes a lot in nine inch nails. Like the repetitiveness of it is the same reason I don't like listen to techno. You know? Yeah. I just totally. can't get into it. Like I see dudes in in Columbus driving around with their windows all the way down listening to techno in their car while they drive around. And I'm like, how is this fucking guy doing this? Like what is going on like in his brain right now? You know? Oh yeah, I I agree completely, <laughs> totally. Like at least at least with EDM, there was like the drop. You know, there's like something in the song where it like changes, and you're like, okay, cool. We got sirens going off, and wah 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 wah. Like you're like, oh, this is neat. Like whatever. Yeah, I totally agree. Like to me, this is the same kind of, and I think that that's that's kind of almost why. Like I get this sort of the same feeling almost like, you know, we were talking about Corey Taylor's solo stuff. It's like I get almost the same feel from this. It's completely different and it's not cynical. Like I I know what Static X is trying to do, but it's just, yeah, there there were a lot of bands in this like new metal genre uh, that were trying to play with the conventions of new metal. But the way that Static X is doing it is just not interesting to me. Like it, it is very samey. It's very... Uh, yeah, I just think the way that they like the, again, the idea that we built the songs from the drums up, but then the drums aren't interested. Like that's why bands don't build songs from the drums up because if you're building songs from the drums up, the drums can't be interesting because then you would be like, well, how do I build a song around this drum fill? Like that's impossible. Like it would be very difficult to build songs around drums unless the drums are just like if the drums are just doing that, then guess what? It's fucking easy to build a song around it. Like, so yeah, I don't know. It was just a weird, it was a weird one to me because I think some new metal bands we listen to, I'm like, how did anyone like this? And I feel like with static X, I can totally understand why people liked it, but it, it just missed me. And I think the, what this really fucking reminded me of Brian, honestly, is like a lot of these songs just sounded like, did I hear this on NHL 2004? Yes, these are you know, very like it's video a, it's, game. I mean, it's I think very Static video X game got, menu music, you know? I think Static X got used a lot in movies and shit, too, though. Like, I don't think yeah. Static... I, I, I think, like, Push It is an action movie song, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking up Push It, because I'll bet you it's been in, like, everything. Uh, well, um, I, it was in the film Torque. Uh, oh, which I think yeah, was Torque's that Jason Statham. Sorry. No, no. Torque is not Jason Statham. Uh, I don't. Think. Oh yeah. It stars Adam Scott. Oh yeah. That's the one where um, there's that very funny driving scene where like Adam Scott's trying to start the car and uh, it like makes no sense. Um, ice cubes <laughs> in it. Jamie Presley. Uh, yeah. Torque. Uh, th this static X Brian uh, is responsible for 
one of the funniest sentences in Wikipedia history. Uh, are you ready for this? This is, uh, it says, uh, push it was used in the intro for the 2000 video game, Duke Nukem land of the babes. Okay. Yeah. I mean that, that see, so, that's the kind of thing you would think it would be used in John. Like yes, that's, that's what I'm saying. Land like, of the babes. I'm not a land of the babes type of guy. So You're like, not. well, I mean, you know, I like babes, you know, I'm a big guy. I'm a guy that's into babes quite a bit. Yeah, but no, who doesn't like a, you know, it's yeah. The, the tagline for Duke Nukem land of the babes, which is a PlayStation game. Uh, is one man, one mission, one million babes. That's all the babes you need, really. I mean, That's I only me- need one babe. I'm a one babe guy. Wow. You know? And there it is right there. She's not going to listen, but that is nice that you said that. <laughs> what if she does listen, though? I does can't she listen? Being... Do you think she listens? No way, right? No, I just can't imagine her being less interested in something in the whole <laughs> world. I think, I think it makes her nuts that I listen to this music still. Like, I know that she gets mad when I sing while she's working in the living room now because she's back working from home. Right. But I'm like usually singing typo negative, but I think she thinks typo negative is basically also static X, you know, like I think she just thinks all all these things run together to her. But uh, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if there was ever a time in my life where I would have been super open to this, you know? And also people got to remember that, like, I didn't like love Slipknot back then either. There was like, I did have a weird kind of like aversion to gimmicks. You know, I know I was an ICP fan, but like, other than that, like when it came to metal, like I didn't see corn as a gimmicky band. I didn't see Deftones and Deftones was my favorite band. Like I, I would tell anybody who would listen to Deftones were my favorite band. I don't think Deftones are a gimmicky band. I don't even think Limp Biscuit no. really was. I mean, they, the, the, the people went to see Limp Biscuit concerts for the music, not for like the toilet, you know, the toilet was oh, a yeah, big yeah. bonus to the Limp Biscuit experience. But I, I think feel static- like Limp, Limp Biscuit was like, they were like, um, like shysters. I don't think they were like, uh, you know what I mean? Like they weren't gimmicky, but they were also like with Limp Bizkit, you always got a sense of like Fred Durst is just a better salesman than he is a musician. Right. He knows how to make a brand, but I, yeah. I that I admire but it wasn't gimmicky, now. Though. It wasn't gimmicky. Yeah. Right. And, and, and if you were like, just like, even with me, like just a dude that never did anything you know, with show business or comedy or something like that. I I think Fred Durst comes off like really uh, genuine too. I think his brand is that he was kind of a genuine guy to me, yeah, oh yeah. at least from the time. Yeah, yeah. I don't get the sense that it was cynical. Like I think he fully believed in what he was doing. No question about it. But when I saw a guy like, like Wayne static or, or a uh, uh, slipknot or any of those, like I feel, I just, I don't know what it was, man. There's a humbleness to ICP that I think ended up winning me over. And that's maybe why I liked them. But I feel uh, like with ICP, even though ICP is definitely very gimmicky, obviously there was something about them though, that felt like they lived the gimmick in a weird way. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yes, it was like a gimmick to put the clown paint on and whatever, but there was like an element to like, I think I don't mind a gimmick. If I, if it's, if I feel like, if I feel like it's genuine, 
like to me with ICP, it felt genuine. Like it felt like they were like, um, that they, they believed it. Like they believed the gimmick. They weren't like, Oh, well, if we throw clown paint on and we spray, uh, Fago at people, uh, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna love us more. So we have to do it. Yeah, like I, yeah. To me, it just felt like they were like, this would be really fun if we did this. So we should do it. And that's like, and it was a genuine thing. Whereas like, it feels like static X, you see like early pictures of Wayne static and stuff. And it's clear that he probably sat down and was like, how do I want to look as the front man of a metal band? <laughs> right. And, I and- know. I know I'll spend 40 minutes before every show spiking my hair and I'll grow out a super long goatee that matches the spiky hair and I'll wear super baggy pants and that will create a look, you know, like, and that's the part I think that bothers me. It's like, if the, if it felt like the look came first or if the look is genuine, you know, then, then you could get behind it. Whereas like, yeah, I think something like this or even slipknot where they're like, Oh, there's nine of us. Like, what should we do? Should we put on masks? Yeah. Let's put on, let's put on masks. Like that'll be cool. You know? Yeah, there's already fucking nine of you, dude. Why don't you yeah, just do good the nine right guys there. gimmick? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got a jillion guys over here. Come check out what this guy does. Right, and I don't even want to say for... I don't want people to think that I don't think, you know, Fred Durst put a lot of thought into what he looked like. I just didn't know that at the time, you know? Right, right. Like, I did, I, I thought, you know, Fred Durst, you know, he just grabs, grabs whatever is sitting uh, next to his bed, and he gets out of bed just like I do, and puts his clothes on and then goes out and sings for all those people, you know, for, for 20,000 people. And like, but this guy was wearing a costume and, and like, I think maybe, you know, I think that's a lot cooler now. I think, I I think like I'm way more open to something like that now than I would have been back then. And that may be why these guys just didn't really grab me back then. And, uh, uh, Again, I appreciate the vibe here a lot. I think they're vibing, dude. If I had to <laughs> choose one word to describe these guys, I'd be like, hey, these guys are fucking vibing. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I definitely don't hate the ethos and like reading their interviews and stuff. Like I don't hate, I don't hate what they're about. I mean, I kind of hate what they're about right now, but back then I don't think I hated what they were about. I think too, though, the other thing that gets lost maybe in this discussion a bit is like, I, I mean, you were a little older, but like I was 13, 14, 15 when I was listening to this music, you wanted it to be cool, you know? So you didn't yeah. want to like, you know, it, so static X would have been a hard band to like show people. Cause you, 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 if you were trying to get people into the music you liked, or you were trying to get them to understand it, it almost feels like Wayne static was a guy that people would have been like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to a band of a guy that looks like that. You know, like, and maybe that would have been cool to some people, you know, I'm sure there are some people who would have seen it and been like, well, that guy looks fucking cool. But I think for me, I I feel like I felt that there was a, that there was like a cheesiness to some of this that I just was like, I can't get into it because I don't want to be seen as a guy who's listening to like uncool or like cheesy shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fucking, this is, yeah. That's probably it too, man. It was just like, I didn't want to be caught like listening to something that maybe in the future people would think wasn't cool. And and I was pretty sure that people were going to always think that I, I we're always going to think these bands were cool. Like I thought I was listening to like Led Zeppelin, 
you know? Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's how big they were at the time. Well, I was listening to Led Zeppelin. I wasn't listening to like the Velvet Underground or something that like now we, we are still this far away from. And you listen to like the Velvet Underground and Nico and you're like, this is the fucking coolest thing that anybody's ever made. You yeah. know? totally <laughs> it's old but it's the coolest like you don't feel that way about like corn and stuff like that it's a different kind of thing you know yeah for sure um i looked up i looked up a review of duke nukem land of the babes uh that mentioned static x by name and i feel like it kind of fits in with what we're talking about so this is this is from the ign review of duke nukem land of the babes from december 21st 2000 and they're reviewing the sound of duke nukem Okay. And it says, be quiet, Duke. Your shtick is played. If I want to hear somebody say, come get some repeatedly, I'll ask Dave Z to pop his army of darkness DVD into the PS2. I'm guessing that's like an IGN writer. I don't know, but I'm not even liable to get that far because I don't want to hear somebody say, come get some repeatedly. I also don't want to hear any of the rest of Duke's massive library of posturings or the silly dialogue in the occasional cutscenes. The musical accompaniment delivers the second shot of the audio one-two punch. Boring <laughs> rock and roll with accents by Static X, whose uniquely rotten sounds actually rather suit the game's grimly macho character. So a few points for an appropriate choice of band, but minus several more for making a game unpleasant enough to suit these tunes. You know, that just really hit something in me too. Because like I had also in, I don't know, 10th grade right when i was in 10th grade i was 16 years old i, I can't remember it must have been 1994 95 it was 95 because I, I saw corn that year um that was the first concert i went to uh i i remember reading about nirvana i, I did a report on kurt cobain right like that was like this i was so into him i thought he was like the coolest fucking guy in the world or whatever uh, I didn't get hit <laughs> to him until after he was dead. You right, know what I yeah. mean? Like when he well, was alive, yeah, I, I mean, was like, who the fuck is this guy? You know, I was what, nine when of... he died. So, yeah. Yeah. I was probably of age to be listening to him, but I thought, I thought rock and roll was for nerds. So I didn't listen to anything with guitars. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, anyway, uh, I knew that he had always had problems with this like macho bullshit thing. And uh, uh, maybe I saw a lot of that too. Like, I, not that Limp Biscuit or Corn are like not macho bullshit, but they don't feel like it. You know, well, like I it doesn't. We, like Limp Biscuit and Corn, they feel like almost like uh, uh, they don't feel macho. I guess they. I guess they give me more of a vibe that like a, a grunge bands type of feelings at the time now i can see why people thought it was macho bullshit like i can see that now but at the time it felt like a new thing that wasn't macho but there were bands like like slipknot and static x and dope that just felt like just dude bands you know what i mean bands for like football players which all these bands were but for some reason in my mind i had decided that they weren't you know i think with like i think for me the Corn and Limp Biscuit don't feel like that for different reasons. I think with Corn, they didn't feel like that because Jonathan Davis like spent a lot of time trying to help you understand that like he was not popular, was bullied like hell, 
uh, had a shitty upbringing, like, you know, any interviews from those times, like he's trying to paint himself as this, like, and, and not even paint himself. I think he was, I think he was dealing with a lot of shit, but like he was trying really hard to come across as this like mysterious pained guy. And he was like skinny and he, and he had a shitty mustache and he had shitty hair and like, he just didn't come across as like a guy that was, and I agree with you. Like I could totally see people dismissing the music as macho, or I could even buy like misogynistic or, you know, any number of those kind of like, uh, adjectives you want to throw on it. I can totally get, I can totally get it and understand it. But I think at the time corn didn't feel that way because of Jonathan Davis specifically. Um, and then I think Limp Bizkit didn't cause Fred Durst just seemed like a geek to me. Like even back then, like cool though. Like I thought he was cool, but there was also this, just this kind of like eminent, like he was really trying hard to be cool and he yeah. was mo and he was mostly succeeding. Like, Fred Durst had this weird thing where he, where it's like everyone on earth knew that he was trying really, really hard to be cool, but like he, his music was good enough and he was pulling it off enough that you just kind of went with it. And that's very hard to do. It's very hard to transcend, like trying to look cool, but I feel like Fred in some ways, at least for a couple of years. And I think that might also be why Limp Bizkit aged so much more poorly than a lot of these bands is that like once the, once the jig was up, it was like, you couldn't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Like once Fred became uncool, it was over. He could, there was nothing he could do to save himself. There was, it was done. He had a moment. They were like one of the biggest bands on earth, which made him cool, even though he was trying so hard to be cool. But then the second people started to be like, man, this guy might actually be kind of a nerd. It was over. He could, there was nothing he could do to save himself. There was no pivot for Fred. Yeah. It really was like, like fucking somebody went on TV and said he peed his pants on stage. And the next day, everybody's just like, I just don't like this guy anymore at all. Yeah. Like it's, it was, un, it's, it's crazy to imagine that they went from chocolate starfish, which I don't know, must've gone multiple times. Platinum was a massive album. They did the fucking, theme song for one of the biggest movies on earth mission impossible Two, like all that shit. And then the next record is gold Cobra and everybody hated it. And it was like, they may as well have just disappeared off the face of the earth. Like, and no other, no other new metal band went through that really. Like obviously some of them just kind of aged out of oblivion, but like slipknot still around system of a down is still kind of around disturbed is still around. Like, Deftones are still around like Limp Bizkit is really the only band that the bubble burst on in, in such a like dramatic way. I just feel like they could hit the road now though. Oh, of course they, they could. They could. Limp Bizkit is a, is a nostalgia act now when they decide to like cash that chip in. Yes. It's going to be a huge fucking tour for sure. You know? But they, but th they had a 10 year down period, like from Oh five to 2015, a Limp Bizkit tour would have been a losing proposition. Corn, I think it's I think only in the, the last thing. I think it's only in the last like five years. It's come around corn. Corn obviously had some really, really shitty albums, but I think corn. I don't know. There's something about corn. That's just aged better. I think I, yeah, maybe I, I, I don't know. I can't really, I, I think corn had some lean years when they were doing the Skrillex stuff. Yes. And like that whole thing was like, oh, holy shit, guys. Like, what are you fucking doing? I know me and Brett went and saw him uh, a couple years ago before this last tour we went to, and they fucking didn't hardly play anything I knew. 
Yeah, which is and, so stupid. Yeah. Like at some point like, you got to recognize you're a legacy act. Yeah, I guess you do have to kind of recognize that at some point and maybe it is a hard thing to come to to do, you know, where yeah. you're like, "Oh, yeah, they just want to hear the Yeah. They just want to hear blind, man. Yeah, they just want to hear there's 10 songs we've written. We've written we've released like 200 songs and people want to hear about 10 to 15 of them and we're just going to have to play those every night until the end of oblivion. <laughs> Yeah. But these guys, I think for me are like, uh, uh, um, they, they maybe age worse than a lot of them. You know what I always talk about? Like, so I'm a big wrestling fan and I really liked WCW wrestling growing up. Yeah. It was kind of like, that was my company. That was the thing I watched and, uh, no wrestling ages well. Right. No. Yeah. But when you, but when you watch old WCW shows, you see the sponsors and you just see the general fucking aesthetic. It looks so old, you know, it, it, it really does like, look, when looked like when I would like turn on fucking happy days or something like that, like, <laughs> right. Jesus Christ, this is some old looking shit. Yeah. Yeah. The and, sets were always very tacky and yeah, I hear you on yeah, that for sure. Static X feels like that's how Static X feels now, which again, like if you liked it, then there's so much happy days was itself nostalgia. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. It was a show about the fifties <laughs> done in the seventies. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's just, I, I think like, that's the thing I would, I would say in this review is, is just like, I do not like, I don't find this to be like a bad album. I don't think it's bad, but I think that like, this is in that same pantheon of like, uh, this may be of all the albums we've done. The one that maybe ages the worst out of all of them. Yeah. It, like this, it's in that feel. It's in the convo I mean, for sure. I mean, because puddle of mud sucked then, you know, right? Like, like we didn't like puddle of mud when puddle of mud was like big. So like this one to me, uh, uh, I don't think Puddle of Mud was ever good. I do see where this was a good album, right? Back then, I also know? think too it's the cool factor. Like I think that um, because of the way that they dressed and their aesthetic and everything, like I think Puddle of Mud wasn't cool either. Like when they first came out, like West Scantlin just looked like a low rent Kurt Cobain and sounded like one too. Like no one was ever like puddle of mud. What a fucking cool band. What a cool guy. <laughs> I wish I was him. And I feel like static X at the time, people would have been like, holy shit. Wayne static is cool as shit. He looks, cool. I know I did. This is a cool look at, whereas now you it's the it's yeah. I think your WCW metaphor is pretty apt in 2020. You look at him and you go, holy shit. Look at this fucking relic from the year 2000. How was this ever cool? Like, it's aged in that kind of weird it's aged in a way that's not coming back, you know, like, like that style, like people aren't going to look at this album in 2035 and be like, Whoa, Holy shit. Wayne static was really onto something back then. Like no one's dressing like that again. You know what I mean? I mean, nobody's, nobody's putting that mix of clothes on. That's you know, what obviously I mean. big, big pants are going to, you know, come back. Yes, and, exactly. But I'm talking about like the we whole know a combo. lot of this stuff, but the whole combo is very much of a time. Like it's, yeah. it's like a lot of stuff that like when we do like repurpose and go back to like old styles, we only keep the best top level shit yeah. of that time. And uh, some of that stuff, like the shirts are probably going to go, 
you know, yeah, this the, isn't the Western coming back. shirts and uh, Jinkos is not going to be a, like a look. I don't know. Yeah. And it, that might be another thing that also like we're listening to these albums in 2020. Uh, I'm 41 years old, you know, and like listening to some like this whole package, looking at it like I am definitely looking through it looking at it through the eyes of number one, somebody who's a little bit older. Number two, somebody who does a, a, some version of show business. You know what I mean? That has to like maintain some sort of a brand and like looking at it, it's very hard for me to go back to like when I was that age, when again, I didn't know Fred Durst was a brand when I didn't know Jonathan Davis was a brand and, uh, uh, see how I would really think of this or how I really felt about it. Cause like now when I look at it, all I really see is a brand and that might also be the fault of the band that continued on too. you know? Yeah. Well, and exactly. So yeah, so we can get into that. So obviously we review articles uh, about the band every, every time we're, we're reviewing an album and the Static X history is very strange. Uh, so yeah, so Wayne Static uh, died in uh, twenty seven or sorry twenty fourteen. He died at the age of forty eight. Uh, it was a combination of his prior uh, drug use. Uh, he died of a prescription drug overdose. Um, it was believed that he was sober from illicit drugs for quite a while, uh, but that his past drug use uh, had been a, a factor in his death. Um, and then after uh, his death, Static X has continued on with a masked uh, version of of Wayne Static uh, called Zero, uh, spelled with an X and a number zero. So like X-E-R number zero. Uh, and it is widely believed that it's Edsel Dope from the band Dope, uh, but that hasn't been 100% confirmed and um, it's very weird. Uh, he performs in a mask uh, that kind of resembles Wayne Static's face with like some scars on it. Uh, and then he spikes up his hair like Wayne Static and um, has a has a beard like Wayne Static as well. Um, it's it's pretty fucking weird to me. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't know that this was a real thing. Static X, uh, sorry, Wayne Static and Tony uh, Campos, the two kind of founding members of static X, uh, actually had a big fight before Wayne statics death, uh, over the name static X. So it's weird. Tony wasn't actually a founding member. The band was founded by Wayne static and Ken J the drummer. Um, but then, um, Tony came to be, I guess, one of the chief songwriters. So they had split the static X name and Wayne static wanted to tour using the name before he died. Tony wouldn't let him. They got in a big fight over it. And then once Wayne died, now they're touring a static X with a guy dressed like Wayne. Very weird to me, Brian. I mean, Tony seems like, you know, probably an asshole. I would guess that he's not the type of guy you'd want to meet, right? Doesn't seem like it. I mean, here is, so this is Wayne talking about Tony before his, so he wanted to do a 15 year anniversary tour of Wisconsin death trip in 2014. Um, and so, yeah, so the two, so he wanted to play it front to back. Uh, and then he had a whole new band. Uh, and then he said, yeah, we're, we're starting slow. So they're, they're playing smaller clubs because Wayne static believes that without having the static X name, he wouldn't be able to sell more tickets. And this is what he said about it. 
He said, you know, we're starting slow and I don't have the static X name anymore. I made a deal with Tony Campos, my old bass player last year. He's the only legal static X member besides me. I paid him a bunch of money in 2012 to use the name. And he's just a greedy motherfucker, man. He just hates me to death. He's trying to gouge the shit out of me. I made him an offer to give him 25% of my net profits on the tour and he refused it. He wants this outrageous number. He wants more money than I make in a year. And he's just doing it on purpose because he hates me for whatever reason. But he also doesn't want to play in static X. I gave him the opportunity. Like, do you want to tour with us? He's like, no. Okay. Well, will you let me use the name? No. He's basically just telling me like, fuck you. You know, I'm like, well, at least my name is Wayne static and people know who I am. I'm not just some jack off bass player that used to play in a band called static X. I'm like, fuck you. You know, I'm still playing in a band called Wayne Static. It's a little bit smaller because not everyone knows the name Wayne Static and everyone knows the name Static X, but we're going to build it up. I basically made the choice that Static X is done unless Tony changes his mind at some point, which I doubt he will. We're just going to build on Static X. The funny thing is that it's still the same guys that played with Static X last year, the same songs, basically. We just can't call it Static X. I don't see how he couldn't draw as Wayne Static. Me neither. I mean, it seems pretty... I mean, it's basically the same name. I mean, I get what he's saying, though. It it is like, fuck you. You know, I took the name Wayne Static. But I guess, like, we don't know. God, this kind of stuff always fucking gives me the the nerves. You know, when when you do work with people and you're like, I'm not like a litigious businessy kind of guy, but also probably nobody else in static x saw themselves that way there's this weird thing that happens man when you get like famous famous i think that is so freaky to me like and i think i i I, like i don't think about it very much because like i don't feel like i'm ever in danger of getting into that space where i'm fighting over the name of a thing right (laughs) yeah especially because i would give it up i would just give the fucking name up you know, it's also crazy that Wayne was offering him a quarter of the tour profits basically for nothing. I mean, all he had to do was say, yeah, you can use the name. And Wayne was going to give him 25%. And he said, no. So Tony gave his side of the story. I would Uh, love to hear it. So he said, uh, he said, you know, uh, several people came and went, this is, I believe after Wayne died, um, yes. So this is after Wayne has died. This is on, uh, Tony's, uh, on the static X Facebook page, uh, from Tony. <laughs> no, I, this yeah. sounds, this is, I feel I'm bracing myself right yeah, now. Yeah, Brace, get braced. Uh, <laughs> putting so he my says, seatbelt on. He says several people came and went through the ranks of static X throughout the years, managers, agents, band members, etc. through everything. I remained a steady partner to Wayne and static X. I love the band and I love the music that we all made together. Being in a band comes along with many challenges, success, pressure, expectations, fame, money, personal influences, and egos can all be very divisive factors for people that are working and living in such close quarters for extended periods of time. When you add drugs and alcohol into the mix, it can be very easy to lose yourself and lose sight of what's really important. As time went on, Wayne began to isolate himself from the band. Drugs and alcohol truly began to take over. His personal life became more of the focal point of Static X and was on display during band interviews as well as on stage. I found myself in many uncomfortable positions and began to feel the need to stand up for myself and protect the integrity of the band that we worked so hard to build. (coughs) Unfortunately, Wayne and I eventually reached a point where it seemed impossible to overcome our differences. 
Wayne expressed his intent to go solo, so we agreed to take some time away from one another and to give Static X a break. Neither Wayne or I quit the band. Our partnership remained intact while our personal differences kept us from working together. After some time, Wayne expressed the desire to tour his solo band under the name of Static X. I knew that it remained impossible for me to insert myself back into that toxic environment, so I reluctantly agreed to give Wayne my blessing to tour Static X without my involvement for a limited time. We both came to a business agreement and we went about our separate lives. During that tour, some legal troubles involving drugs took place and ultimately led to cutting the tour short. While Wayne did also have a lingering health issue, it was this incident that ultimately ended the Wayne solo band touring a Static X experiment. Wayne returned to his solo project. I continued touring with other projects. We both had hurt feelings, blah, 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 blah. And then he says, the bottom line is I miss Wayne. Despite our differences and disagreements, he was my friend for over a decade. He was my brother and my partner. Many of the people that were closest to Wayne in the early years were driven out of his life towards the end. In our own ways, we all did our best to reach him, but we were all powerless to save him. I wish that Wayne was here celebrating 20 years of Wisconsin death trip with us. I truly believe in my heart that if Wayne were sober and healthy and had distanced himself from the many negative influences in his life, he'd be doing this with us. I know that Kenny and Koichi feel the same way that I do. Um, in closing, I just want to say I'm not interested in rehashing the things that divided us. That's in closing after seven paragraphs where he rehashes all of it. Not only um, did he rehash it, but he like squarely blamed uh, Wayne static for everything. <laughs> and a, de a dead, a, a, a deceased Wayne static who can't defend himself. Yeah. Right. Who, who yeah. obviously had like some demons that he was dealing with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's I a, mean, there, that's a tough a, one. There's a little piece in there that really did make me kind of fucking mad was that like where he said, uh, um, fuck, what did he, he there's a line in this thing that he said he went off the road for medical issues. Yeah. But that he had but, other medical issues. But it was drugs. And it's yeah. like, well, fucking dude, that's just saying you don't believe that he had medical issues. It's all that yeah. sounds like to me. It's like, I don't know. Or that like, the drugs caused the medical issues. So it's like, oh, you left the tour for medical issues, but like it's your own stupid fault because you're addicted to drugs. Yes. Yeah. Like this yeah. guy seems like a real sleazy dude. And and like, uh, uh, I mean, I also, Wayne Static was probably a fucking prick. You know, like, I'm not saying the guy was like, seemed like the nicest dude in the world, but like he did, I guess like if anybody deserved a tour with that name, it would be him. I feel yes. like Wayne static gave his life to static X and he maybe changed Tony his name Camp to Wayne static. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe Tony Campos gave a lot of his life, but he didn't change his name to Wayne static. And he wasn't yeah. the guy that walked around with the big tall hair and all yeah, that. You stuff, know, Wayne static you know? had to do that every day. He didn't yeah. want if someone ran into him at the mall, he wanted people to know that like, oh, it was him and they ca and he cared. Yeah. 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 It, it it just it feels like like Wayne Static was the guy that Static X was. And like there needs yeah. to be a new sort of law, I think, about intellectual property like this, where it's like, look, we all know that Wayne Static is Static X, you know. Yeah. Tony Campos like you he could get anybody else to play bass well it's funny because he said like so there I read an interview with Zero the new lead singer of Static X and he actually talks about how difficult doing Wayne's vocals is and that it like took a lot for him to learn how to do the vocals uh, because the vocal patterns are like really difficult and and uh, interesting and stuff so yeah let me see um, so yeah what do we think of Edsel it. Dope though what do we think about the dope guy? You know, uh, I don't really know. 
I don't know. Just, I mean, I don't really know anything about dope. I mean, so in this interview with Zero or Edsel Dope, if that's who's playing Zero, which like most everybody seems a, pretty much agreed that it is him. Um, the it, it seems a little bit weird that uh, that yeah, like um, like he he's really trying hard to paint it like everyone's cool with it. Like, like this whole interview is about how like Wayne's family like comes to the shows and they think it's like amazing that he's like in a Wayne mask with his Wayne hair and shit. And it's like, is that really? Cause it seems like, cause you read that interview with Wayne where he basically says like, you know, Tony Campos is trying to steal money from me and he's like a motherfucker and whatever. And then you read that, like they dressed some guy up as Wayne static and toured the 20th anniversary of Wisconsin death trip. They released a two volume album called project regeneration that contained the final vocal performances and musical compositions of Wayne static. And you would assume that like static X is making the money off of that. Like it seems a little bit fucked up that Tony's like, you can't tour a static X, but when you die, I'm going to dress another guy up as you and take all of that money. Like it's very fucking weird to me. And then, yeah, this whole interview is just about how like, Oh, like Wayne's family came out to the shows. They loved me. Like, so he says it was very emotional seeing Wayne's family on tour. I really didn't know what to expect at first because this is such a unique situation. Wayne's sister, Amy came to meet me on the tour bus immediately after our show in Atlanta. She just wrapped her arms around me and we both just started to cry. I totally lost my shit and I couldn't get it together. I was just sobbing and I felt such a connection to her and I could feel the love that she had for her brother being projected onto me. It was so emotional and I felt like I had just received the ultimate form of approval for what I was doing. And it's like, is it, is that like, I don't know. I just feel like that's very fucking weird. And like, you're talking about a law, like there should almost be a law where it's like, yeah, if I die, you can't dress another guy up in a mask and say it's me and fucking go on tour and make money. Like it's very weird. Yeah. Yeah. It is. So, I mean, what a fucking, what a weird story. And also, like, it does feel, I hate that law. I mean, I again, I just want to come back to that. I hate the law of, like, intellectual property sorts of things. Because this Campos dude should have never, like, owned the name. And I guess, like, if he wants to tour now with it, it's like, whatever. It's, like, it, it's water under the bridge at this point. He's dead. Like, there's nothing you can really do. You yeah. know? So, like, I guess that's fine. I do think it's weird uh, unless they're cutting in Wayne Static's family, maybe. That is yeah, you the gotta, only you thing is, I can they think. They must be, right? Like, Yeah. They got to be cutting they, them in. Yeah, it's so... There's a couple other, like, very funny lines in this interview with uh, Zero. He talks about... He says, uh, yeah... Um, he says, what can I say about Tony? He's just the man. He's a monster bass player. And because he's so humble, it's easy to forget how much Tony's voice helped to define the static X sound as a bandmate. He sort of keeps everything in check. There's no ego with Tony. If he likes what you're doing, you'll get a nod of approval. And if he's not feeling it, he'll definitely let you know. Uh, it's great because it all comes from the right place. Even when he and Wayne had differences, those differences were rooted in Tony's love for Static X and in his willingness to fight for what was best for the integrity of Static X. That's truly his role. So it seems like, again, that like they're, they're kind of skirting around this idea that like Wayne wasn't well enough to be touring. And like Tony was like, listen, man, you're on drugs. You can't tour as Static X because it will make Static X as a group look bad. Yeah. And it seems like they've like coached zero on this too. And 
Yeah. And then they also like ask, like as someone who has to perform with the zero mask nightly, did you have any suggestions on what you wanted it to be? Who created the mask? Was there anything specific you wanted represented? I honestly had no interest in singing for static X without a mask. I needed a level of separation from my own identity in order to properly serve static X and to respect Wayne's legacy. Again, I didn't create this band or the vibe. So why should my face be at the forefront from the beginning? A mask was just something that felt very necessary to me, which is just like, if Adam Lambert toured with queen and they put him in a Freddie Mercury mask, people would lose their motherfucking minds. It's <laughs> only true. because this is just like a small new metal band that no one cares. Yeah. I think people do when they find out also like it tends to be a thing. Cause I've, I've known they've been doing it for a while. I told you earlier, I was going to go to the show when it came through Ohio. Cause I thought it was just freakish enough for me to like <laughs> be worth going to, you know? Yeah. 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 But uh, uh, they played the same night as No Bunny, and I'm I just I'm a bigger fan of No Bunny, and uh, uh, so I went to that concert instead, and uh, uh, so it it does sort of also like live in the same space as Static X, and that like it is kind of cool that it's a gimmick because it is a gimmicky band, you know, and right. like uh, uh, I guess like it also that stuff that zero was saying really did make that Tony Campos seem like an asshole and not very humble, like almost like a cry for like, he's crying for help. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. You can't like tour with dope. Dope is probably not hitting the road and like headlining a tour at this no, point. No chance. No chance. And in the size venues that static X is playing now with Edsel dope in a uh, Wayne static mask. Cause they played a, a I think it's 5,000 seat venue here when they Jesus, came through town. Really? I wouldn't have expected that. Holy. Yeah. It, it was our midsize venue, our venue that goes right before the arena. There's Fuck. yeah. That's, like, I so, mean, I get it. It's the Wisconsin death trip anniversary tour, but still that's crazy. Yeah, they're big here. They're big in the Midwest. I yeah. mean, it's it's just one of those like that that th that's one of those bands that's always going to be able to come through here. I don't. I mean, Dope was never really able to come through here and play like a big. No, thing, they weren't know? that. Yeah, they never were that big. They um, were like an Al Rosa Villa band, which is the it was that was like a six to eight hundred, maybe a wait. Yeah, it was maybe a thousand people venue. Right. And uh, uh, that's where Dimebag Daryl got killed. So. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then so this is the part where he talks about Wayne's vocal lines. And it's kind of funny. Like he almost like admits that he's like shitty, <laughs> which is kind of good. The question is, what are your favorite songs to perform on a nightly basis? And what tracks stand out to you in a live setting? And Zero says, I'm with Stupid is awesome to play now, especially because I had a hard time with it early on. Wayne's delivery is very tricky. Lots of weird vocal patterns, weird ass words, and he's singing way higher than your ear will sometimes lead you to think. I really don't think that I have a favorite to perform. I just do my best to give my best each night for the band and the fans. Yeah. I mean, you're doing Rob Zombie when you're doing Wayne static. Yeah. It's the, he has the same voice as Rob Zombie. I, I think that's, that's part of what like made me not hate this album too. Right. It was just kind of like, I like white zombie, you know? Yeah. Of I don't course. think I liked like a ton of Rob zombie, but I saw white zombie live before they broke up. And 
And like, uh, it was just one of like those cool experiences. That's like, ah, you know, they're not going to tour white zombie again. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, no, I, totally. Totally. But he, he doesn't, he's like not a guy that has to do that. You know, these yeah. guys have to do this they because do. they have to bring in money. You know, they definitely have to do it. Um, Edsel dope more than anyone else. Uh, okay. Before we get to, uh, the challenge, we should give this album a score for those of you who are new to the POD cast, uh, how we rate all of these albums is with a tweet defense. Uh, so that means if, uh, someone were to tweet at you that they did not like the album, uh, how many tweets would you exchange with them in order to, uh, either argue with them or convince them otherwise? Uh, so Brian, how many, how many tweets are you going here? All right, John, this is going to be different. This is, this is a weird one here. Okay. And, and again, every, every month I feel like I have to say this, that I just treat this like a linear. Yeah. Like it's, it's like you I, just, just took part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And also it's a number. It's like a one to whatever. Oh yeah. It's know, an infinity. Where it could be infinity. It's one to 27 now. Uh, yes. Well, yeah, because, now that you've set the, set the standard with your disturbed score. <laughs> so we're looking at a number between one <laughs> and 27. <laughs> I mean, I, I will give this album a fuck like a five. You okay. know, yeah. I think I gave, I, no, let me give it a 10. I think here's where I let me put this somewhere. Yeah, put listeners. it somewhere, baby. I just want to put it somewhere. Put it you know? somewhere. I want to put it right there above Puddle of Mud and above POD. Like I do, it is above those two albums. Okay. And that's where I want it to be remembered in this mishmash that's going to get bigger. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like this album's better than WWE Forcible Entry. Oh, I like a lot. No question about it. That's <laughs> so, not even me, that's not even a topic of discussion. Let me give it an eight. The, an eight is a good number. I think eight is where I would go with this. All right. I am. Uh, I'll go three. I think uh, that's a John's eight. They call that a John's eight. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Yeah. The three. Because uh, I here's how I see it going. They say the album is bad. I probably start with by saying like, well, Wayne static is cool though. And then they're like, yeah, what is he cool though? And I'm like, yeah, check out the lyrics to love dump. Um, we didn't really get to that, but love dump, uh, for those of you who never heard this static. So one thing that Wayne really had going for him was he sings in such a way that it's impossible to tell what he's saying. So he could literally say anything. And, and he does because that the song have- love dump, uh, the, the chorus is, uh, I always loved you love dumpling your shits like chocolate cake and your ass smells like a rose. I really hate you love dumpling. Now my bowels ache. I actually think that not being able to understand what he was saying might've hurt this band for me too. So you think that if you could have heard those lyrics loud and clear, that was a, that was a selling point for you. No, it just, I didn't, (laughs) I mean a little bit. No, I I'm saying that like, not I didn't know what he was saying, so nothing made a particularly huge impact on me. Like I thought right. it was neat the way he said get up on this Wisconsin death trip. Like I thought that was like a cool way he said that. Right. And no You want to be able to sing along. You want to be able to get into it. Yeah, I want to be able to un- sing you along. Understand the words, then you could get into it. 
And it's important for me to know what these guys are singing about. I didn't know what this guy was singing about at all. I don't I I assume push it was about having sex actually too. And then like seeing these lyrics, obviously this makes me like them less, but uh uh I just assume that there are other lyrics on this album that maybe would have made me like them more, I guess. Right. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Um so yeah, so then I would show them the lyrics to Love Dump. Then maybe we'd have one more tweet and that would be that. So that's where I'm arriving at three. Uh, before we get to the challenge and the poll, just want to remind everybody that you can donate to the show by going to patreon.com slash the POD cast. Remember cast is spelled with a K like corn. Uh, we're doing one bonus episode a month, every month that just costs you $4. And it also gets you access to our whole back catalog. This month, we had a really fun bonus episode. Uh, we had uh, Jordan Yule on uh, from the insurgents podcast uh, and media matters. He's a super funny guy. He was great to have on the show. Uh, we reviewed straight up, uh, the tribute album to Lynn straight from snot and, uh, had a blast with that one. So, uh, you can check that out along with all of our other bonus episodes at patreon.com slash the POD cast. And if you want to be like Jack and donate $50 to the show, you can decide what we do for a bonus episode. Um, so that's going to be very fun to do. Um, and you can also follow us on Twitter at the POD underscore cast again, cast is spelled with a K. Uh, you can participate in all the polls on our Twitter. That's where we do all the polls. So if you want to have a say in voting for what albums we listen to, uh, that's the place to do it. So make sure you follow us. We, we just went over a thousand followers, Brian. So we're, we're moving up in the, we're moving up in the Twitter world. So give us a follow at the POD underscore cast. You can donate patreon.com slash the POD cast. All right. Uh, the challenge, Brian, this one was suggested by you before we get to the challenge. Uh, last month's challenge was where we had to both, uh, answer a question like David Draymond from disturbed. And, uh, the winner of the challenge was the listeners. Uh, that was, it was, <laughs> it was deemed that, uh, uh, someone, someone, I wish I could remember who wrote in. Um, if it was you, uh, I apologize for not remembering who you are, but someone had wrote in, Oh, I think it was, um, I know who it was actually. It was uh, justice buzz. Meg, uh, had written in and said that the listeners won last month's challenge, like right after they had listened to the episode. And so I, as a fun thing in the poll this month, I, to, to determine the winner of the challenge, I gave a third option. Usually it's just John or Brian, but I gave the third option, the listeners. And that was the most popular option. So people loved our, I guess that's considered a tie, Brian. People just loved our David Draymond, uh, question answering so much that uh that they were the the true winners uh this month's challenge brian do you want to you were the one who came up with it do you want to introduce it or do you want me to do it trying to figure out what i which side well we're doing both right yeah we're gonna do both yep all right uh you can introduce it dude all right so the challenge for this month is uh if we were if we were to pass away god forbid uh, and someone needed to take our place in a mask on our regular podcasts. So on blocked party or, and on street fight radio, who would we want to take our place in the mask? And then also the inverse, if we had to play zero for a podcast. So if, uh, you know, God forbid one of our, maybe it's not even our friends, but if someone from a podcast, uh, passed away, uh, and we wanted to, you know, we had to fulfill the zero role, for them, uh, who would we want to, who would we want to play and, and why I guess, or whatever. So Brian, you can go first. Uh, give me your, your answers for both here. Okay. So who I would want to replace me. Yes. It, it's, uh, uh, I'm going to go 
I'm trying to think of who is like a really I've I've been trying to think of who would be a really good Brian replacement. And I'm gonna go with Joe Rogan. He, <laughs> I think he could come over here and really make a good make a good run at being me, I think. I think so. I think talking new metal with Joe Rogan would be fun for me. Probably so. for sure. I, I don't think he's probably a fan. Would be my I guess. don't know. He's pretty like he might just be too old, but like he's pretty fucking jacked. And like I could see him being like into it. I guess if you go to UFC, you know, yeah, like that's all they play. All the- like bodies was the song for the UFC forever. Yeah. So maybe he does like it. Ooh, let's try and get him on. I know people <laughs> get mad. But uh, I, I I've been listening to him, so I do this this mini series called Shocktober every year, and it's about shock jocks. And uh, I when does I, it take he, place, Brian? It takes place in October. Oh of course. shit, dude, sick! So I have to do these. Uh, I have to do research, and they, it usually takes a couple of months for me to. Uh, I just have to listen to shock jocks all day, every day for all of August and most of September and most of October. Like that's all I listen to. And like uh, this year with all the stuff going on in the streets and, and like uh coronavirus and all that stuff, listening to these guys is not going to be as fun. Oh my God. I can't, <laughs> I don't, I don't envy you. Year. That's for sure. <laughs> so I'm trying to on ramp into it and I'm listening to Joe Rogan. Oh, right nice. Now. So yeah, he's a good on ramp. <laughs> that's, that's smart. That's smart thinking. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I'll get into Anthony Cumia next week sometime and Man Cow, and I'll be okay. But uh, who I would want to replace now, I don't know how many listeners to this show are going to uh, get this or like this, but I know that Dan, producer Dan, will like this. I would like to be Brian Alvarez, uh, Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer Radio's co host. Nice. <laughs> I would like to be. In a Brian Alvarez mask, Chico Alvarez. (laughs) That would be good. I could see you. I could see you rocking the Brian Alvarez role. I want to be in a wrestling. I want to be on a wrestling podcast for some reason. Like anytime I like, I have never turned down a wrestling podcast appearance. Like I love just going and talking about wrestling and Alvarez, especially his job just kicks ass because all he does is say like, AW and then Dave talks for like three or four to f- four to six minutes and then he just <laughs> says like women's championship and then Dave talks for another six minutes it's like the job dude it's like basically doing what I do on street fight where I like serve up the stories except for I don't also have to tell any jokes or anything I just kind of just say it nice I like that um okay I will say for me to replace me on blocked party. And I think, I think this is very natural answer. I don't think this is like a cool answer, but I feel like this is like a natural answer. Uh, I think Chris James uh, should replace me, but I don't want Chris and Stefan to do a podcast together. Cause that would be a disaster. Like he definitely has to be me in a mask or like he, he needs to be, cause I just want it that way because I want Chris to do an impression of me. Cause like, I feel like Chris uh, would do it very well and would do it in a very funny way. Um, And yeah. And I would just like to see that. And I would like to see, you know, I mean, I handle most of the administrative duties for blocked party. 
um, and, and the POD cast. And I think Chris and Stefan having to like try to work together in that capacity would bring me a lot of joy from heaven. I have you to say, like, I don't you know, know if I'm going, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I don't even know if we die and if it's all black, but like if we die and there's a chance to hang around and Chris takes my place on block party. I mean, I just love to see, I would love to see that discussion, uh, those discussions between those two. I think it'd be great. I sort of feel like we need a podcast freaky Friday situation to happen sometime because like when me and Brett took, so me and Brett go on tour with other podcasts all the time. I mean, you guys went with us for a couple dates. Yeah. It's like, and really in theory, we could just fucking throw shows together. It would you know be fun. I, mean? I think people would like it too. I think maybe that's <laughs> something to discuss. We could do like, uh, yeah, maybe like, um, around Halloween or something that could be a fun, uh, you know, you'll be done shocktober. We can maybe do it in November. You're done. And then we'll, yeah, yeah maybe think, it's like us in Street Fight. We get Chris involved, Chapo. We just get, yeah, we get a bunch of guys. Yeah, it'd be really fun. We'll talk. Um, move everybody around to different podcasts, I think, with different hosts. It'd would be, be super the fucking good. weirdest thing in the world. We were going to do it on uh, our Hellfire tour. I was going to host with uh, Tom Sexton from the Trillbillies. Oh, nice. Uh, and Brett was going to host with Terrence because they both do. We, me and Tom do roughly the same job and Terrence and Brett do the same job. Yeah. So we were going to do it without each other. Yeah. That's but, part uh, of why I think Chris, it would be funny to have Chris replace me as well. Cause I think that Chris and Stefan would play a similar job or would play a similar role on a pod. So it'd be funny to see Chris try to like be the sort of straight man kind of guy. Yeah. Um, we're going to do freaky Friday. It's going to be a mega, a mega event. We're like do when it. Thanos snapped his fingers sort of thing like that big, Boom. you Just know, like, like coronavirus coronavirus is like a really big deal around the country. Maybe when we do this, we'll be able to catch that kind of viral wave. Yeah, I think so too. I think, <laughs> I think we can, I think we'll do it. We'll give, we'll go viral big. And then as far <laughs> as I want, who, who I want to replace, um, I want to replace uh, Michael Hale on your Kickstarter socks. <laughs> Oh, I would never. He's so good. I know. That's why it would fucking piss everybody off. It would piss off Jesse the most, which is funny. And it would piss off all their listeners. And I would most definitely try to do the entire podcast in his voice. So that would just drive people. uh, Hey, Jesse. um, Yeah. um, (laughs) Holy uh, shit. I was just, uh, yeah, I was just taking a shit and um, it looked like your face. (laughs) So that was crazy. Um, I would yeah, be so mad. I'll just do that the whole time and people will be so mad at me and it'll be great. I would be mad. I would actually be mad if that happened. That's what I'd I'm saying. Like, That's what I want. I want people to be fucking pissed. Like I'm sure there are hardcore static X fans who hate the whole zero thing, right? Nope. So I don't think so. You don't, I don't think, think so? so? I have a reason. I think they do. I think they would hate. There's got to be some that hate it. Like it's desecrating Wayne's memory a little bit. Like point a point of a percentage. Okay, I well, think. we'll see like how many the smallest, people. Like, if there were a hundred Static X fans in a room <laughs> picked at random, you would still have like a pretty good chance of not getting one that was mad about it. Okay, I could see that. Because I just think, like, once the dude dies, you know, it's kind of like anything I can do to listen to that band live would be fucking great. I just think it's be- the mask thing. I think it's the mask and the hair thing that would, that would, makes people feel weird about it i think 
Right. Yeah. You, you might be right. Like, I, I like, just think, I think about like, I think I Edsel Dope see, just I, being like, yeah, I'm the front man of Static X now. Like kind of like Adam Lambert's like, I'm the front man of Queen. I don't think it's that weird. Whereas I think like putting him in a mask and the same haircut is fucking weird. That's the weird yeah, part of it weird. to me. But again, we're also talking about a gimmicky band though. True, true. From the very beginning. And, and like, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I just think that like, because like, you know, I, I've been super into typo negative for like three months now, which is their leads. Peter Steele died, you know, back in like 2008 before I even knew I liked them. You know, right. it was just this band that I thought stunk, actually. And now I'm like super, super into them. And I would like do anything to kind of hear that shit live, you know, even right. though like Peter Steele is like typo negative, like he's the dude that like made them what they were the guy would go to a fucking hologram show right for them just to hear the music that loud because at a lot of times the only way you can hear music that loud is at a concert yeah no that makes sense for sure um okay that's it we we wrap the challenge uh so we got to get on the poll this month for the bonus episode uh, we're doing the Queen of the Damned soundtrack that won the that won the poll with thirty nine percent of the vote. So that's the that's the soundtrack that Jonathan Davis was allowed to make the music for, but wasn't allowed to sing on due to some label uh, difficulties. So Jonathan Davis wrote a lot of the music on the Queen of the Damned soundtrack, but doesn't sing on any of it. Uh, so there's a but there's a lot of appearances from new metal frontmen, and uh, should be interesting. I don't think I've ever listened to the full soundtrack. So that's coming up in August. We don't know who's going to be the guest, but it'll be someone good as always. Uh, but we need to do the poll, Brian, and this is a this is a special poll because next month is our one year anniversary episode, our thirteenth episode. Uh, so we sort of agreed that uh, the two albums that we put up in the poll, we're not gonna we're not gonna put any albums up here that are that are kind of punishing the other guy. We're not gonna put any albums up that that you know the people wouldn't want to hear. We're we're gonna go with with big albums only uh, for our for our special one year anniversary next month. So what two albums would you like to nominate, Brian? Can I give another sort of a uh, uh, thing like another thing we can do here? Sure. Is uh, put an album that's retired from the polls. You know what I'm saying? What do you mean? So like if there's something that never made it throughout this year, but right? was in previous, you polls? tried it three times. Yeah. And then you just threw it out. Yeah. You want to, you want to do that too, maybe, or because we can do it this way too. I don't care. I got albums for everything. Uh, I, we, I think you can do either one. I would say you can include a big album or you can include something you've been trying to push through. I think either way is fine, but I don't think it should well, be one or the other. I think I'm going to do white pony. Okay. For one. Yeah. Deftones white pony. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, let's do, I mean, shit. The thing let's do candy ass. I want to put candy ass. All in right. There okay. Because like, I want to try to do that one again and I don't know how bad people want to hear us talk about Limp Biscuit, Corn, and Deftones for a whole episode. So, like, let's, I mean, if they do, they do. I'm just giving them a chance to be out of, like, that big. That, yeah, well, it was funny when, when we when we were talking about, because originally we had said we were just going to do Follow the Leader without a poll. And then you're like, people like the polls, which is true. Um, and I was kind of thinking, like, there's three obvious bands that you'd put in the poll. So I was like, who's going to be the fourth? And so I don't, I don't mind putting orgy in there. Not that I think that they're like the fourth best new metal band, but I think it's good to have like a fourth in there. So, um, I will, I'll, t I'll take up the mantle for the other two. I will put up corn, follow the leader. 
Uh, and I will, I will go, I'll go Limb Biscuit and let's go. I'm going to go chocolate starfish in the hot dog flavored water. Ooh, I'll put that up. Brian Limp Biscuit. Yeah. I'm going to put, I'm going to put that up there instead of, uh, instead of $3 bill y'all. That's go. what I almost put up there, but that's why I decided to do orgy to give people the uh, the the option the option to stay to get to like a different band because you right, know so. this had to be bands we'd already done. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. No, I so. no, I, I don't mind that. That works out well. So those are the those are the four: uh, Deftones, White Pony, Orgy, Candy Ass, Corn, Follow the Leader, Limp Biscuit, Chocolate Starfish, and the Hot Dog Flavored Water. It's gonna be a that's gonna be a close poll. Might be the closest poll we've ever had. Is that's what I'm predicting it right now. Also most voted in poll. Yes, definitely the most voted in poll. So that'll be our one year anniversary show coming up next month. Thanks everybody for tuning in once again to the POD cast. Again, you can donate to the show at patreon.com slash the POD cast. You can follow the show on Twitter at the POD underscore cast. And that's cast with a K like corn. We will see you back here next month with a huge album. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Goodbye.